Trade Square is Australia's first business-to-business marketplace connecting people, brands and organisations into this diverse ecosystem in a unique global landscape. Through pivoting, transforming and reshaping, Australian businesses have an opportunity to create the model for the future that aligns with the world's needs and leveraging the power of a collaborative approach. Through the Trade Square podcast, we will bring together dynamic, diverse and thought-provoking leaders from business, government and organisations to have conversations to further enable new thinking for the future. Welcome to Trade Square. I'm Catherine Vandermeulen and joining me today is Noah Rain, founder of Spark and Rumble Consulting. How are you, Noah? I'm so good. Hi. Now, listen, tell us, who is Noah Rain? Nice and broad question, isn't it? Um, I am a Sydney cider at the moment, but I hail from Israel originally. Um, and I spent time in different countries, but have landed in Sydney and have been here for the last 19 years. I am a proud mother of three very uniquely independent children who I love deeply. Um, and I'm also a professional in the organizational behavior space. And that's the space that I play in. So if you want to understand humans in organization, I'm your human. And so can you explain a little bit more about what organizational behavior actually means? Yes, so it's a human behavior within the organizational context. Uh, Interestingly, we have all sorts of types of organizations, so it doesn't have to be paid work. It can be anywhere that we uh, join and collaborate and try and create outcomes. Um, I frequently, if anyone has ever (laughs) experienced my sessions, um, I always start with your relationship with your spouse, your children, uh, and often your parents, because that's actually a type of organization. Um, so it's, a, it's our human behavior in the context of others and in systems that we've built. And so tell us about your original call to adventure to launching Spark and Rumble. Well, Spark and Rumble Consulting was a COVID opportunity. So like many, uh, COVID didn't leave me um, untouched. And it actually was a beautiful opportunity to just take time and um, think and design and create. Uh, It came with what I call rumble, which means that there was uh, concerns and anxiety around, you know, income and other things, but it did give space. Um, And I've met incredible people during that time. And Spark and Rumble is uh, a consulting agency or consulting group which um, looks at transformational change so we partner with individuals and companies and teams to actually create change that sticks and that is not an easy thing to achieve Um, so spark talks about imagination and that moment where we explore and discover and rumble is sitting in the challenge and the I want to say conflict, sometimes conflict um, and discomfort of change. Uh, And we do that with people, organizations and teams. Can you go a little deeper into transformational change? Because I think 2020 really showed us of how uh, adaptable we really needed to be to create that change. And I've heard the word a lot 
uh, being thrown around in the last 12 months around pivoting. What does that next stage of transformation or change really mean? So that's, I'm glad you asked that because um, it's something that I always stop when people come to me and they say, oh, this is something I really want. I stop and we get curious about it because I don't think most people um, are mindful of what that really means. And maybe that's a good thing because we just do things and we try them and, and, and then we actually create some change. But if the way I like to think about it is um, I have not yet heard an adult that said, you know, that time I went through puberty, I want to go back. I want to, I want to sit there. I want to go back to that time. It was such a wonderful time, right? Like, have you heard of anyone say that? Never. <laughs> Never. <laughs> and I'm, I'm cringing as I give that example. But the idea is consider your life if you had not done that transformation, right? Um, so it's something that we really enjoy the outcomes of, but don't particularly uh, or necessarily enjoy the process. And one of the things that I, I ask when someone comes to me and wants to change from strength, so there's change from crisis and then there's change from strength, is are you sure you want this? Because this is going to be really uncomfortable at times. I just don't know when. Uh, and most people just don't believe me initially um, or, or, or find it hard to imagine. And so transformational change means that once you've started this process, you don't end up the same. You end up different and it's your version of different. But you can't really say at the beginning of the process what it would look like in the end. What I want it to be is a change that sticks. So something that you've wanted and worked for and are proud of um, and it stays. So it's not enough to say that I want to get healthy. I want you to be healthy at the end. Um, and as uh, many of us know, saying that is not, doesn't usually build muscles and drop the weight, right, or increase our sleep. So that's a, that's a space of transformation. Um, if you think about your experience as an adult, and I, I call it uh, being an adult partner, um, adulting is not much fun. And if you think about the amount of resources that we give children to support them through you know, growing and learning and discovering and failing and rising. Um, how many resources or how much resource do you think we give adults to achieve that? Or once you're an adult, you go, you're good, off you go. Um, so Spark and Rumble tries to join that space. And so thinking about the last 12 months of an interesting 12 months that it has been, yeah. How have you really seen Australian businesses adding value to the world through the concepts and through that transformational change that you've just been talking about? I think that one of the things that stands out to me about Australian business, which I have to say I'm really proud to be part of that experience, is the level of kindness that I've seen and the approach of we're in this together. And obviously that's a generalized statement, so lots of people have had different experiences, but if you think of us as a nation and, and how our politicians even have spoken, um, I've seen a level of coming together, which has been um, incredible. So there's a care factor that we've seen of, uh, we will take care of our weaker people, we will, um, take a hit to some of our bottom lines and some of our goals because we want to care for other. And I think that's translated into business and I think it's translated into business outcomes. So I've seen an outpouring of kindness and community uh, personally and um, in the different business spaces. And it's been really encouraging as a human 
society. I think that's been my experience overall. And so something that you are super passionate about at Spark and Rumble is Think Play. Can you share more about how you bring this to life through your work? Yes, I love Think Play. So Think Play came about because um, as I've been working with the teens, one of the things that they keep talking about is is how much they love the stories and um, the different examples that I give, you know, which are just very um, life-related, right? And so one of the things that I wanted to do was how do we make that accessible without um, going to academia and without, you know, spending days and days um, in a classroom. And so what we've created is uh, Think Play, which means it's an hour or two hours, depending on your organization. And we pick a topic and we get down and dirty with it. So we learn about it. We use concepts. We figure out frameworks that are related, but we play with it. And the play aspect, A, I just enjoy play. I think being an adult is hard, so why not play wherever you can? But also the play is about implementation into your own life. So lots of time you've been interested in things. But for me, interesting needs to translate into ability to translate into my life. And then it has impact. So we play. We play with communication. We play with um, Um, communicating to influence or influencing stakeholders. We've played with blind spots and bright spots. And um, all of those might sound like they are, um, how are they called, soft skills? Uh, But I dare you. I dare you to try and do business without them. And so thinking about the human beings and the individuals at the heart of every single organisation, how have you seen resilient, dynamic and resourceful people really play a key role in that transformation of our economy and of the businesses that you're working with? Yes, resilience is a a big topic. Um, So one of the things that... um, uh, I've read about, and I think um, Jim Collins talks about the Stockdale syndrome or the Stockdale effect, um, is people who are very, very realistic. So one of the things that we is very trendy is to stay positive, right? Like you've heard that a lot, haven't you? So just stay positive and always be grateful and do all of those things, which, by the way, I agree with. But sometimes the situation isn't positive. Sometimes it's really, really hard. Sometimes we're looking at numbers that we don't like to see. One of the things that we know about resilience is the people who look at those numbers, who are fanatically realistic, and then assess where they are so that they can then chart a path to to where they want to go, are the ones that are more resilient. So it's actually people who look at life through rose-colored glasses that are not evidence-based that struggle with resilience. And I'm finding that a fascinating part of um, this part of our history because some companies are doing that really, really well. So they looked at the work from home situation, they moved their their people, and then they're following up with, wow, this is a new reality and now we really have to understand it versus people that say, okay, so COVID is pretty much over, let's go back to where we were. Now, that's not to say that they're wrong, but it's an interesting situation where you're like, are you looking at the change? Can you see the numbers? Can you see the trends? Have you got any blind spots? So I think that's what I would say about resilience. The other part is about staying in the game and being uncomfortable. I think um, 
one of the things that I note as an external person to Australian society, so I've been here 19 years now, but um, um, I originally come from Israel, is one of the things that about Australian society is that it's quite polite. W- would you agree with that? Absolutely. So one of the issues with politeness is that it's not it's the it's the enemy of authenticity. So I would much prefer a respectful dialogue and a respectful debate than a polite one. Because what I want to know is what you're really thinking. What I want to know engage with you is in authentic conversations because otherwise I have to peel away what you mean and I have to try and spend a lot of energy to figure that out. Whereas authentic conversations allow us to have um, deep and meaningfuls, right? Um, and so I see a need for increased capability in debate, debate that's respectful and authentic rather than polite. I think there is a lot of room for that space, you know, in those authentic conversations, in that vulnerability to share exactly what you're thinking as opposed to just coming to the table with the same thoughts as everybody else uh, around the table. And that's how we will transform. That's how we will evolve as a country, as an organization, as a group of people. If we do challenge that thinking and if we do challenge some of those approaches, but as you said, in a respectful and in an authentic authentic way is key to that well that I think that leads me one of the way one of the places I spend a lot of time in organizations is actually in constructive conflict so we know that conflict is critical to creating uh, to to innovation so without conflict you actually can't have innovation Um, but it's a specific type of conflict so the conflict that people are really concerned about and especially polite cultures is relationship conflict right I don't want to hurt your feelings right Um, And what inspires innovation and drives performance is task and process conflict. And one of the things that we've done through, uh, especially in polite cultures, is we shy away from all conflict, right? And so we threw out the baby with the bathwater. And what I want to do with people is actually, and that's the rumble space, is go back into rooms that are hard and stay in them because we trust the people. So if you assume good intent, and you've said something to me that, let's say, International Women's Day, um, one of the things is that men often are too scared to ask us questions because um, they don't want to say the wrong thing, whereas I want them to say the wrong thing and trust the space, trust the rumble space, right? We'll just get back in a room and we'll figure this out together because otherwise we just stay really, really safe but, but apart, and that's sad. So actually debate and rumble spaces increase our connection, not decrease our connection. Um, And that's a hard one. That's a hard one when you've been ingrained, um, culturally ingrained politeness, right? That's a hard um, skill, but it's critical for resilience because otherwise we are doing it all alone because I don't want to burden you, right? I'm not going to ask you for help because that might burden you. Whereas what I've um, tried to teach my children and the companies that I work with is to say, ask me for help. Trust that I'm assertive, right? Trust me in my boundaries. Um, And if you can imagine, imagine your workplaces um, that you've worked at, how amazing would it be if everyone trusted in everybody's boundaries and assertive communication? Absolutely. We would have completely different organizations in this world and we would have completely different 
you know, wherever those organisations are, as you said before, in the home and no matter what roles yes. uh, people are in, we would have a very different world to be looking Much at. Much deeper trust, right? So if you think about it, if I can trust the relationship, it means I can make mistakes. It means I can be messy. It means I can grow. If I don't, I stay safe and I continue doing things I know how to do well and then um, I can get the accolades, but really, am I growing? So it's actually in the messiness that we find, you know, growth. And that's, again, that's where, where we, come, we come back to the rumble spaces. The more rumble spaces we create that are safe and authentic, the faster we grow. Absolutely. And so what's a key message that you are passionate about that you are advocating and championing through your work at Spark and Rumble? So I'm smiling. Uh, so I have this um, concept that um, anyone who knows me um, hears me repeat and repeat, and it's called design for good. Um, so the idea around behavior, and maybe um, I can ask you that, is if I asked you what dr drives behavior more, environment, values, or motivation, what, which one do you think drives behavior more? Uh, for me, I would probably say values. Yes, and that's often the response. Uh, but hands down, uh, what drives behavior in most situations is the environment. So if you can imagine you come to a bar, you sit down on a stool, it's because the stool is there, right? So if we designed the environment differently, we would respond differently in our behavior. Now, that's not to say that values don't have a, a role. Of course they do. But what I'd like to do is, is use behavioral economics, which is where my training is, to design environments for good. So some of you may know the, um, the book The Nudge by Richard Thaler and Sunstein. That's the right name. Um, and he won the Nobel Prize for, for, for that work. And the idea is that we want to nudge humans to behaviors that are good for them. Okay, so if you want to save money, do you want to save more money? Is that one of your goals, life goals? Uh, I don't like saving, but uh, I, like, I like spending. I know, um, imagine I'm not, that. I'm not such a great lover of saving. Well, would, would your future self thank you if you saved some money today? Absolutely. Right. So if we want, if we all know that spending is way more fun, like cake is way more fun than cucumbers, right? Um, how do we design an environment that increases the chance of saving rather than spending? How do we increase the environment, you know, the chances of um, people eating cucumbers and not just cake, right? And that is that we design for it. Um, so rather than expect it and expect people to jump over hurdles, we design for it to be frictionless. And so that's a big thing that I am very, very passionate about. So when I come into environments and when I design for good, the idea is I look for what's blocking and I look for what's driving and then I try and make the blockers smaller and the, and the drivers bigger. But if I want to stop you, for example, from spending or nudge you to not spend less, I will make spending harder. Does that make sense? So design for good is a big, big, big thing for me. Um, and that's, I spend a lot of time in that space, um, both in my own world, but, um, but also with organizations. And so what are some of the ways that you actively challenge the status quo in your roles? So uh, for those of you who know me, um, I ask a lot of curiosity questions. 
So I challenge people to turn statements into questions. Um, I was raised with strong opinions um, and to be able to make decisions. Uh, and one of the, that's a, that's a great uh, capability, but it also then limits your um, sight, right? Like you'd be missing things. So one of the things that I'm really passionate about is increasing the ability to ask curiosity questions um, and really look for what's driving, what's blocking, and how are you contributing to this? Especially as we rise in our authority in organizations, uh, that capability is dulled, right? Like we assume that we know the answer way more times than we should. And so if I can get people to ask curiosity questions rather than make statements, I think we would see very different outcomes um, in teams and um, organizations. And so this month, Trade Square has really been focused on celebrating women for International yeah. Women's Day. Let's call it International Women's Month or Year with around the theme of choose to challenge. How do you choose to challenge in your world? So I have been for many years now, um, I uh, focus on raising awareness about what's called the motherhood penalty. Um, and so that's different parts of gender related impact. So for example, chore gaps. So we, we know that women um, on average, do much more of the unpaid work at home. Uh, but by the way, COVID has seen it rise um, significantly. So women are actually doing more um, by because they are actually home. Um, but also, and this is one that's really important to me, do you know that women um, on average finish their working life with half the superannuation of men? Um, which has led to a crisis, especially in Australia, has led to a crisis of women over 60 who are becoming homeless despite the fact that they worked um, all their lives. And this is, let's say, your uh, relationship ends um, and they do not have the backing of superannuation to support them. And so this is a really serious matter. And so one of the things that um, um, I feel is important and which I'm trying to challenge is, first of all, we need to see it as a problem. So it's not enough that we write articles about it. Are we angry about this? Is this okay that 50% of the population is experiencing this? Do we define this as a problem? And after we decide to define it as a problem, because I would challenge that we have not, um, are we looking for complex solutions because complex issues require complex solutions. It's not going to solve itself because we are now aware of it. And so that's something that I'm uh, very, very passionate about and I have chosen to challenge it for many years now. And I hope that once my daughter becomes a mother, if that's her choice, um, she has to deal with less of this. Well, thank you so much, Noah, for opening our eyes and opening our curious hearts to really learn more uh, and understanding the art of human behaviours. You're very welcome. It's been such a pleasure talking. For more information on Trade Square, head to www.tradesquare.com.au and support Australian business economic recovery and growth with a collaborative approach to the future of business.